Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Hashtag Clocked In with me, your host, Jordan Edwards. I'm thrilled to have you tune in as we dive into the dynamic world of productivity, success, and stories of incredible individuals who've mastered the art of getting things done. Whether you're commuting, hitting the gym, or just relaxing at home, this podcast is the go-to source for inspiration and actionable tips to level up your productivity game. I'm on a mission to unravel the secrets of those who seem to effortlessly manage their time and achieve their goals. So if you're ready to clock in and unlock your full potential, you're in the right place. We've got a lineup of amazing guests, industry experts, and thought leaders who will share their insights and strategies to help us crush your to-do list and make the most out of every moment. Get ready to get inspired, motivated, and equipped with the tools you need to supercharge your productivity. This is Hashtag Clocked In with Jordan Edwards. Let's dive in. Hey, what's going on, guys? we got a special guest today. We have Kenny Luck. He's the founder and president of Everyman Ministries. He previously served as a men's minister at Saddlebrook Church and is an ECPA Platinum Award winner and best-selling author of 23 books, including his most recent release, Dangerous Good, The Coming Revolution of Men Who Care, via his publishing and digital platforms. Luck reaches more than 100,000 men each week through his live stream events, global podcast, and daily devotion outreach, and church and individual subscriber downloads each week. The weekly EMM Facebook live streams of his men's meeting are viewed all around the world. He resides in California with Chrissy, his wife, 29 years, and they have three grown children. Kenny, great to meet you. How are you doing today? Yeah, it's good to meet a new friend. Good to meet you, Jordan. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the Clocked In podcast. So, Kenny, where does your story start? Um, Well, it starts in um, West San Jose just around the corner from a guy named Steve Jobs. He was growing up, going up around the corner from my house uh, there in Cupertino, California. He went to the other high school. and uh, But I come from what's now known as Silicon Valley. Uh, wow. Maybe Brat, last of seven. Um, so I was raised on the base and in a military um, family. Um, great watching all that Silicon Valley stuff, you know, grow up right in front of my eyes. In fact, I built printed circuit boards that were like three feet square in high school. It's hilarious. Now it fits under your fingernail. But I grew up in West San Jose, Cupertino. Uh, I'm a native Californian. Uh, I'm the last of seven, five boys and two girls, which means that I was a human lab experiment (laughs) in my own family. Um, So your guy listeners will appreciate that. Um, I, I have five, I have four brothers. So it was just a lot of stuff going on in the Luck household. But um, the the defining moment probably for my life and that would change the arc and trajectory happened after I graduated high school in the summer before I went to UCLA. Um, if you look in my high school yearbook, you'll turn to the middle of the, the senior section and you'll find my face there. But my face has like uh, fake glasses and a cigar and I'm wearing a lampshade on my head and it says Kenny Luck, life of the party. And um And, you know, of course, hindsight is 2020. I know why I was life of the party. It was just kind of a broken quest for acceptance, right? And belonging. You know, you do stuff to be accepted, to to belong. But, you know, we kind of figure out um, in time that, um, you know, that stuff is fleeting. You know, acceptance comes, it goes. And I remember being raised in the faith and and kind of having a, a, a Jesus background without really Jesus. 
And I remember coming home from a party one night and um, I thought, well, we'll just give Jesus a try. And I, I said, well, Jesus, if you're real, uh, I want to see you. Now, isn't that an honest prayer? It's like, okay, if you're real, I want to see you. I want, I want you to visit me. And uh, <laughs> I had no idea what was going to happen next. I just, I was sincere though. That yeah. was sincere. I was really seeking for my purpose, um, identity. Um, I was kind of lost. My dad was an alcoholic. Uh, my, he was hardly home. Um, it was just, I was just kind of floating. And, um, and so I was reaching out to God and, and I just said, Jesus, if you're real, I want to see you. And the, the best way to describe it is, you know, when you call on a person and they show up, what, what happens? Well, uh, you know, their, their, their person shows up, um, their presence shows up. And that's what happened. The person in presence of Christ showed up in that back room of my parents' house at 6788 Hanover Drive. And for about an hour, um, I just had an encounter with the living Christ. And that moment changed everything. I went to school the next day, found my best friend. He's Jewish. And uh, I, he said, hey, what's going on? I'm like, you're not going to believe what happened to me last night. He goes, well, what happened? I said, I told Jesus I wanted to see him. And he goes, well, what happened? He goes, I said, well, he came in my room. And <laughs> I know what he was thinking because I was life of the party. You know, he was thinking, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was thinking, oh, this is just one of your psychedelic experiences. But it wasn't. It was real. And that was 39 years ago, Jordan. And I've never been the same. And since that day, my journey um, has been one of my identity uh, as a practicing Christian, as a follower of Christ. He's changed my life. Everything good in my life I can point to has come from my relationship with him. And he's showed me uh a good version of masculinity that works for my wife and kids and for my neighbors and my community and my workplace that really blesses people. And uh, my, my mission in life is just to do whatever shows love for him and love for people. So that's, what's brought me to the place where I'm at. It it's, it's the energy behind my mission uh, and why I put energy into helping others. That's incredible. I, <laughs> That's incredible. And I love how you had a specific moment that it all kind of boiled down to. So after that moment, what changed for you? Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's a man. What an awesome question. Um, I would say everything changed because my identity changed. You know, um, it's sort of like I, we were talking before we went on air about, you know, the Lion King and, you know, there's Simba and he's just a puppy. And then, you know, he's the son of a king and, and then some bad things happen and yeah. he, he goes off and creates this alternative life. That's really not him, but he's just reacting to the trauma that has been in his life. And so he's out of place until that baboon, I forget the name of the baboon. Oh, Rafiki. <laughs> Rafiki comes and whacks him on the head. And he says, I know who you are. You're, you're Mufasa's boy. You're the son of the King. And all of a sudden he has this, um, he has this epiphany of, Oh my gosh. That is my identity, and I have a responsibility to that identity. And my responsibility to that identity says that I'm supposed to go confront evil that's now burdening my tribe, my yeah. tribe, tribe of lions. And that's kind of the, what happened to me. It's where I knew, I for the first time, I knew I was created by God. I was created for God. One day I would go to God, but between now and then, he's got a purpose and intention for my life on earth. And that's to love him every way I can and to love people. And so what changed is now seeking that expression of 
how do I love my neighbor as myself? Uh, yeah. What are meaningful ways to do it? Um, where do I get the most bang for my buck in that calling? And that's where eventually, after a healthcare career, running my own company, starting a few companies, God called me into working with men to multiply good in the world. Yeah, I. it's fascinating how uh, a specific area of our life, like everything can change. And the, the thing about the identity that was really holding on to me is that as a child, we all want to fit in, right? Everyone's like, Jimmy yeah. doesn't like me or Billy doesn't like me. Like, I just want to fit in. Yeah. And meanwhile, in the real world, like as you grow and develop, it's best to stand out. Like, it's best to be your own person and be right. who you are and figure out and take that time to go, okay, maybe not everybody aligns with what I'm doing, but I'm myself. Like, yeah. And it doesn't matter as long as I align with me. Yeah. And I think with what you're doing with the, the men's group is you found a bunch of people who align in that same vision. Um, yeah, particularly, you know, and it doesn't matter, you know, if you're a Christian or you're not a Christian. Every man that I know, he wants to be great and he wants to do great things. And if, if none of your listeners believe that, then I would just point them to the data in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, right? Yeah. Billions of dollars. I mean, I don't know if you owned any Marvel pajamas, but I did. I had Spider-Man ones on, you know, but there's an ethos and it goes to why you're created. You're created to be great. You're created to do good things. You're created to defend the weak. You're created to leave a footprint on earth. And it just kind of is, is, is boiling inside of us. And that's why we spend so much money vicariously experiencing it in fantasy, but that wasn't God's intention never was. He made you to be great and do great things because that's your purpose. Your purpose yeah. is to have influence, you know, in my, in my faith ecosystem, you know, that's why Jesus says you're salt, you know, you're an influence, you're light, you know, you're supposed to do good. You're an aroma uh, uh, of God. And, and so we're created to, for a purpose and the journey is discovering what that purpose is and then aligning with others who also think they're created with purpose, you know, to love God and love people, and then to help each other kind of figure out, well, what's, what's my, what's my, what's my channel? What's my niche? Where, what are my gifts? How can I leave that imprint, you know, before my heart stops and I go back to God? And the, the best part about that is that you have to take time to ask these questions. Like I, as you're speaking, you've asked yourself 25 different questions. Like, and if you're not asking these questions, and I say this for the audience, because how often do we just go through the day and just go, oh, Tuesday, can't wait for Friday. Wednesday, can't wait for Friday. And it's like, how often do we go through that instead of asking ourselves, how can we make this the most powerful day possible? How yeah. can we go impact lives? How can we make someone's day? And right. most of the time, it doesn't really involve money. It doesn't really involve a lot of stuff. It's just being there and being present with somebody. That's from right. my findings. What about you? Well, no, for sure. Um, you know, I start each day, you know, um, with a statement from the book of Psalms. And it's and it says this: This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And what it does is it kind of sets my mind for my purpose. Yeah. It's like, hey, God's got a plan for my life. I don't know exactly how it's going to all flesh out today, but he's got a plan for my life. He has an intention. And part of his intention is that. Um, I'm going to be intersecting 
with environments and people. And he wants me to positively impact those environments and those people. And yeah. so I say that every day I wake up and um, I, it's just a great way to, for me, in, in my, in my, in my faith journey and life journey and identity journey to just set my mind right at the yeah. beginning of the day and just go, this is who you are. This is why you're here. You don't know everything that's ahead. You can't see the future, but you do know the God who does see the future and you want to get in, you want to connect with the opportunities he's going to give you and be a good manager and steward of those opportunities. Yeah. The, the two things that kind of popped out to me was one, uh, I think it's awesome how you, you frame yourself for the day. Cause a lot of us, we don't realize, but when we wake up and we're 10 minutes late and we're rushing and yeah. you can't set up your day, you can't set up that excellence. And then right. the second thing is you, you said something where you're like, I am responsible for this. I am. Yeah. And it's that taking that accountability of right. someone comes to Kenny with, dude, today's been an awful day. Right. Like, today's really bad. And you're the one to lift them up. The, the, yeah. the whole point of all this is that we all take personal accountability to, hey, whoever we speak to, we make them have a better day than they did before talking to us. And guess, guess who gets um, the max benefit from that? You. <laughs> well, you become, because it takes... It takes maturity, Jordan, to say no to yourself and say yes to another person because we're trained to, to be self, self-protect, self-preserve, be self-important. Absolutely. Right? Where culture, it's out there, you know, look out for number one. Yeah. And, but real meaning and real riches, true riches, right? The kind that we talk about when, you know, I was just at a funeral and this guy, man, he died a wealthy man. Not because his portfolio was flush <laughs> with millions. It was because the people closest to him talked about him and the kind of man he was and that he loved well and he loved them well and he served them and he served other people. And he said no to himself to say yes to others. And so, you know, it's kind of like one of those journeys where he died smiling and everybody else died crying. Yeah. Because he was gone now. And that's kind of. I got up to say a few words and I said, men, if you're in the room, this is the goal. Yeah. This is the goal. At the end of your life, people aren't going to be talking about the kind of car you drive, where you took vacations, what we put so much effort and, and energy into. Not saying that any of those things are bad, right? It's good to enjoy life and it's good to, to make a living and a wage and, and all of that and take care of yourself. But it's not a purpose. A purpose yeah. is transcendent things things that will outlast you, it's legacy things, uh, and investing in others and advancing others. That's that's awesome. I'm sorry about your loss, but that was, it, it, there's a difference. There's a big difference. And so so where do you find yourself? Uh, you, you mentioned earlier about how you had a, a couple different roles in life. Right. And then you found to where you were today. Yeah. What were some of the things that kind of led you there that you knew that you were heading towards that purpose-driven path. Yeah. Well, I think that, you know, wherever we are, you know, I, I consult and I, I give a lot of advice to people in their twenties. And, uh, you know, I remember when I was in my twenties and I'm, I'm always telling people in their twenties, I'm like, Hey, try a lot of things because you're really not going to hit your groove. You may hit your groove earlier, but it's good to get the tribal data and feedback of experiences that tell you 
what you're good at. And you can always tell what you're good at by the fruit that you bear. Like there were some jobs where, you know, I wasn't so great at. And then there were other jobs that I was, I really thrived at. And one of those jobs was in mental health. So before I was, uh, you know, uh, an author, I was a mental health professional. And I started in a little startup, got 2 million in venture funding, and we grew to $55 million in five years. And I was 26. And I was in a world where there was uh, a paycheck, deferred compensation, direct deposit, um, all the structural things that you need to live. But more than that, I was getting insight into how families form people, how that family formation impacts your adult life, how that creates inner dynamics of fear or anxiety or security and worth. And that journey kind of held up a mirror as I got into mental health work and I started working with all these great, awesome mental health people who, you know, had no skin in the game in my life, but they were helping a lot of people kind of figure out why you do what you do and why you behave the way you behave and why maybe some patterns of behavior that are unhealthy, where they come from and how you can work on those things. It really gave me a lot of insight. And I guess the metaphor out of it that I, I gleaned was that people, most people are like icebergs. You only see the tip. Yeah. Like if you're on a cruise and you're the, in the, in Alaska and you see an iceberg, You'll, you'll see the tip, but the substance of it remains hidden underneath the water. And that's where the true bulk and substance, and that's true for people. We are so image oriented. Um, and the digital world doesn't help with that because we present our best selves, our best vacations. You know, I'm at the coffee shop and I'm drinking the latte with a leaf that the barista made in the foam in the latte. And it's this great, you know, it's kind of like, but real life. Um, is found underneath. It's the hidden you. It's the one nobody sees because the real us isn't what we present on social media. It's how we think about ourselves and what our thoughts are. And I think everybody listening to your podcast can agree that appearances can be deceiving. 100%. Where we can project one thing, but be living and feeling something totally different. And that is what my mental health journey for 10 years did for me. I absolutely love working in behavioral health because it helped me get underneath the waterline of people's lives to where they were really living what they were really feeling and how they were really perceiving themselves, others. And once you get there, now you're cooking chili. Now you can really do some really good work and help a person discover, you know, what's, what, what the root of those things are. And so um, I was, uh, I started off as the assistant to the vice president of marketing for this behavioral health company. And then 10 years later, I was the CEO and I had 500 licensed marriage and family therapists, psychologists, psychiatrists, you know, working for me. But man, every day I woke up, I was like, this is an exciting job. Yeah. You get to meet people when they feel life is fatal and final. And you get to show them that their feelings aren't the facts that how they feel isn't necessarily reality. So they can be depressed, anxious, sad, but that is how they feel. And and you get to help them see that feelings are like a dashboard in life. They let you know something's going on. Yeah. They're not the facts. It's not your reality. Your feelings magnify things. And, And it's great to walk with people, maybe when they're not at their best place, 
and help them grow and realize, oh my gosh, yeah, I did, I did feel bad, but this is the root of those feelings. Now I can see it. Now I can navigate around them. Now I can, can realize and, and look at my feelings as a part of my life, but they're not who I really am and they're not going to determine my future. And even though my circumstances might be bad right now, my circumstances don't define me, right? We've all been through hard times. And a lot of times people let their circumstances infect their soul and tell them, yeah. wow, because things are going bad, you're bad. Because you haven't been a success, you're not a success. That's not true at all, right? Yeah. It's just circumstances. And so being in behavioral health really put me into some real life tough scenarios. I think I've done in my lifetime, maybe 5,000 psychosocial assessments. Wow. So you, you get to ask questions of people. And so it, it really, that, that shift of seeing people at their worst, watching people transform, um, it kind of gave me a set of glasses. I'm wearing glasses. It kind of put some new glasses on to go, okay, who can I help? And if I help that person, what will their transformation what will be the residual effect of their transformation? And so that's why I picked men. And the reason I picked men is because I hated seeing the pain caused by broken men, you know, sex trafficking, the orphan epidemic, domestic violence, you know, fatherlessness, and the yeah. cycles of chaos and dysfunction that help. So if I can help one man, I like to say one transformed man can transform many things. This is not a chauvinist thing to say. It's not. It's just the facts. The data speaks to it that, you know, men have a certain degree of influence in, in families and in children. And if that man's character is healthy, um, the residual effect and impact of that in his conduct with people, that makes the world better. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I mean. So that's why I chose. That's what kind of shifted me to kind of begin to ride into marriage and family, men's issues, justice, uh, social justice, and all of that. You know, we have a movement right now that, that, that actually has some basis about toxic masculinity. But, you know, in culture, what people don't realize is that, that male strength is not the issue. The issue is, does he have character and compassion guiding his strength? Because we need that strength. Um, it's a good thing. But if he doesn't have character and compassion, then he's going to abuse people. So that's that's really what you see kind of the revolt in culture with respect to masculinity is you see strength without character and compassion. That does abuse people. People do suffer in the presence of that guy. But the opposite is also true. If you have male strength and there's character and compassion guiding his strength, the world loves that. We welcome that. Yeah. Yeah, the the couple things that was incredible. The couple things that I found that I really took away were, um, and I think for all the listeners is that when we talk about our feelings, like just to backtrack what you were discussing, when we talk about our feelings, people, it's tough because we say I am depressed, I have anxiety, and it's you label yourself and that becomes part of your identity. You might feel that moment for all of three minutes in the day. That doesn't mean that you declare it and now it's this big thing. Um, and then on the the deeper part about what you were discussing about men, I, I think that there's a lot of underlying stuff that is not allowed to be brought up. And a lot of the stuff 
people don't want to discuss because it's, we have to take care of this person. We have to do this. We have to do that. We can't take time for ourselves. Like we have to take care of these people. We also have to support. We have to be there. You have to be strong. You can't cry during the movie. There's so many elements and it's just, the the stigma of society so it's incredible that you're removing that and helping people become their their authentic selves yeah um working on it but that's the whole thing what you're what i hear you saying um because you're telling me what you hear me saying now i'm going to tell you what i hear you say and that is is that you have to kind of press the pause button and ask the big questions who am i what am i about Where am I headed? What's important in life? And what are, what are my, what are my values? Cause I think every listener would agree, you know, you're a successful person if you live out your values and beliefs, you know, so what are my beliefs? What do I believe? What do I value? And if you truly value certain things, say, for example, people and relationships, then you'll discipline yourself toward relationships. You know, if you believe that you're created by God for God and one day you go to God, then you'll live with the end in mind. You'll want to be accountable and and fulfill that purpose that you're on earth for. So it's what I hear you saying is, you know what? Um, We have to be uh, be courageous and not live in the tyranny of the urgent. Yeah. You know, there's a saying in my world that hurry is not of the devil. Hurry is the devil because when you're in a hurry, you can't have quality. You can't have quality relationships. You can't do quality things. There, there's an adverse relationship between quick and quality. Yeah. So always in a hurry, don't expect quality relationships because relationships take T-I-M-E, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And T-A-L-K. Yeah. And T-O-U-C-H. You know, I'm testing the uh, lexicon of our audience here. So, but, right? And that's how kids spell love. They spell it time, talk, and touch. You know, if you give, if there's parents on watching your, your podcast, if you're giving your kids your time, they receive it as love. If you're, if you're spending time talking with them, they receive that as love. If you're appropriately hugging, comforting, touching them, kissing them, they perceive that as love. But if you're in a hurry, it's hard to give any of those to anybody because you're always moving to the next thing. So what I hear you saying is, Hey folks, you know, yes, we, we all have full lives, but you know, if we're more thoughtful and we take a little pause, maybe we have what I like to call a quiet time in the morning, which okay. is when I just sit alone, I may read a passage out of the new Testament. I'll pray. I'll think about who I am. I'll think about what I've just read and how I can apply it to my life. And it sets my focus and my energy in the right direction. And um, that's what I hear you saying. Take time to think about some of these larger things because the, the big wheels of your life turn on the small axles of your values and beliefs. Yeah. You don't have values and beliefs that the big things in your life turn on, um, then you're just, it's a shotgun approach to life. And that involves frenetic energy and activity without insight. 
Yeah. Yeah. That, that distinction was great. Um, the hurry and the being quick and the quality because it's so true. Yeah. You need, you need yeah. to be able to slow down to right. understand what direction you're going and what you're doing. So for some of the people out there, what are some of the ways they can figure out, and this might be, it's going to be a bigger question, but how can people kind of find their values or their beliefs or like, obviously you can ask yourself the questions, but is there any activities or anything that you have where it's, how do we get to the bottom of this? How do we, yeah. How do we have you know, um, yeah. So of course I'm a practicing Christian, so I'll come, that's my worldview. But I think, I think that, that, that people need to, they have, a, they have a conscience. Number one, that's your front line. Yeah. Right? Have a conscience. It's planted in you and it helps you kind of, it's a compass for, for what, what is good and, and, and what is, uh, what is not good. And it tells you that. And sometimes we mute it because we feel like there's something on the other side of doing something that maybe we shouldn't do that, yeah. uh, that there's a reward on the other side of that. And, um, but your front line is your conscience. Um, it's put there by God, I will say to help you navigate life. But then there are some transcendent just principles that you can live by. Yeah. Like we in Western culture, you know, we, we have the golden rule. Yeah. It's the greatest piece of relational advice ever given. Right. That's love your neighbor as yourself. It comes from the Sermon on the Mount, right, in the New Testament. And so, you know, you think about, wow, okay, if you're in the Jewish tradition, you know, you have the Ten Commandments. If you have, um, if you're you're on the Christian side of things, you know, you have the New Testament and Jesus and the Sermon on the Mount, the Golden Rule. And, you know, wisdom uh, is proved out by its fruit. So, you know, when when you hear things like that, you go, okay, what's the wisdom of the application? So if I apply that to my life, like I'll be on a plane and people are say, so what do you do? You know? And I'm like, well, I write books. I I'm in the kind of the, the faith and inspiration box. I work with men and, you know, and they're like, well, what's the driving force in your life? And I said, it's the Bible, you know? Uh, I, I, and they're like, well, I don't know if I really, I'm like, okay, let's start simple. All right. The book of Proverbs. All right. It's 31 of them. You can read one of them a day, read it and just kind of try to practice what it says. And then let's have a conversation. Let's exchange numbers. Let's see how your life is either better or worse. I'm batting a thousand, Jordan. You read the book of Proverbs, you do what it says. See, because wisdom transcends time. All truth is God's truth. So when you apply truth, you know, there's that famous phrase, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Right. But it's in it. Truth transforms you if you trust it. So for people who are needing maybe some guidance or some values and beliefs, look at the ones that have lasted, right? Yeah. Look at the ones that transcend time and space and cultural fads and phenomenons and cults and all that other stuff and just that help you become a better person. And I found that loving God and loving people is a great start. Yeah. Absolutely. That is definitely, um, I I love how you pull the values from a specific area and it kind of guides your way of the way you want to approach things or how anyone can approach. Right. Um, and it's that open book. Um, so 
let's dive into it. What is what's going on with this conference? I'm hearing about the Dangerous Good Conference. Yeah. So um, remember when I was talking about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you know, and how you know we're created to be great and do great things. Um, it's hard to find spaces where you can step into that. Yeah. You know, where it's like made for you in reality, not paying 21 bucks and going to, you know, the movie theater yeah, uh, it or streaming it, um, you know, on some platform. Um, so the Dangerous Good Conference, it's hosted by Everyman Ministries. And uh, it, is, it is a conference for men. Um, and we talk about identity. And we talk about identity in community. And we talk about how when you know who you are, you know what to do. And it's good to be around other people who there's some alignment in that. And that identity in community always leads to bravery in community. It's true to the positive. It's true to the negative. I mean, I always tell the guys, you know, I had 2,000 of them in front of me in Austin on August 27th. And and I said, wow, either something really good is going to happen in this space or something really bad. <laughs> All it takes is one bad idea in a big group of guys, right? But yeah. if the, the focus of the conference is being dangerous with goodness. Because right now the rap on men is that they're dangerous. You know, you can't trust them. Uh, they're portrayed in the media as, as, as funny, uh, but they're not mature. Um, there's a caricature. That that's around men. And my good friend at Stanford University, his name's Dr. Philip Zombardo. He wrote the book called The Demise of Guys. And he's talking, he talks about just culture, the rise of feminism, the retreat of masculinity, and how when you don't provide healthy outlets for men to be strong in a good way, they'll find unhealthy outlets to be strong yeah. in fantasy, you know, in fantasy, porn. Uh, and and just ways that don't benefit or bless the people around them, but they're just looking for an avenue of strength. So the Dangerous Good Conference is uh, an amazing, immersive experience for men. It involves visual story, music, testimonies of men, some inspirational uh, messaging. But here's what differentiates the Dangerous Good Conference. Uh, 80% of the guys who come find themselves in a group of men meeting the next week in a really? five follow-up yeah and then in the sixth week the men who are in those groups of five and six they're going to go out and they're going to serve their city in pre-organized places like at the boys and girls club or at a single mother's or or for a city agency or for the homeless or at a food pantry and on october 8th all 2000 of those guys are going to fan out in groups of five and six and they're going to go do good in their city so um that's my contribution is just creating the space, being an activating agent, uh, providing some shared convictions uh, in the room that we can all stack hands on, uh, providing a little organization and getting all those serve opportunities prepared in advance of the conference, and then creating just the the platform of communication and connection so that they can go out and actually realize who they want to be, which is dangerous with goodness. Yeah, this sounds really powerful. It and is, uh, yeah, it um, is. It is very powerful. Yeah, it, and we're going to roll up the stories. We're going to get the stories. We're going to document this because not every man is toxic. Um, not every man uh, is immature. Not every man, uh, you know. But what, if you watch the media and you see what's what's put out there, it's really not a good time. 
to be a man. But I know that the majority of men really want to be good. They want to be good. They want to have an impact. They want to have an influence. And I'm just providing a little space for them to, to activate that desire. Absolutely. So this would definitely be a positive outlet. What do you think some other positive outlets would be? Obviously the conference, the volunteering, the groups. Yeah. yeah. Is there anything else you would say? Because obviously the negative we can find, the drinking, yeah. the right. drug. Yeah. Yeah. Well, of course, you know, anytime you serve other people, you become more mature. It takes maturity to serve another person because you're you're saying no to yourself to say yes to others. And so you know, that's the difference between a toddler and a man, a boy and a man, you know, toddlers throw temper tantrums because they don't get what they want when they want it. And in the form that they want it, they're selfish, they're self-absorbed. But, you know, the Bible says when I was a child, I, I thought like a child, I acted like a child, I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish ways. And that's a maturity journey, right? And so, when you, when you want to assess yourself, if you're a dude, you're right, it's like, gosh, how mature am I? Well, just ask yourself the question, how often do I say no to myself to say yes to others? You know, yeah. and a lot of ways to express that. We don't need to go to a conference in order to do that. There's opportunities every day in the spaces and places where you live, where you work, where you play, where you can say no to yourself and say yes to another person and serve them. You know, if you only serve yourself, you stay immature. If you serve others, that's a sign of maturity. So I think that that the the places and spaces where that happens is fluid. I think the opportunities are plenty. You know, for me, being with you, that's an opportunity for me to serve and for us to get to know each other and be friends and and just go, how can I help Jordan? And Jordan's helping me get the message out and we're kind of helping each other. Yeah, absolutely. And uh... Well, popped up initially, and I just want to share this because the audience, uh, I'm not sure if they need an action step, but like one of the things I did, I think it was a little bit while back, we basically, um, it was me, my girlfriend, and then her younger brother, we ended up going to these uh, like Goodwill, yeah. Publix, like a food store, and then a Goodwill, and it was basically to grab some clothes and yeah. some food, and it was like maybe 40 bucks, right. and we just gave it to the homeless people because- yeah, the water. The twenty-four pack of water costs three dollars. Like, maybe if you, give, if you give them water, they appreciate that. That changes well, their life. You you don't even know it, but that's how Jesus defined what true faith is. He says, "When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was in prison, you know, you visited me. You know, I mean, read the New Testament, Matthew twenty-four. You're doing God's work there, Jordan, and that's a that's a real sign uh, that that you're living out your purpose. And for all the listeners, man, that's so easy to do. You drop 40 bucks, go get some clothes, go grab a few cases of water and go, go be strong and kind, you know, be yeah. strong, but be kind, be courageous, take a risk, go to a place where maybe you probably don't hang out a whole lot, <laughs> take a risk. And man, then you have a story to tell. I want to say to all of the listeners, Jordan has a story to tell because him and his friends took a risk with their money and their time to go be for others. And now he's telling stories. We don't tell stories of selfishness. We don't tell stories of when we serve ourselves. We tell stories that have to do with real greatness. And that's when we take a risk yeah. for others. 
Wow. And the coolest thing was about all of it was uh, my girlfriend's younger brother is 10 years old. Oh, yeah. Modeling. So we did it early. And then the next time we hung out, he's like, when are we going to do it again? And then when are we it's like you just give them a little bit of a taste and then they realize, yeah, it's just really profound what it can well, do. Because younger kids, I mean, even Jesus said it. He said the kingdom of God is like these little children. You know, to, to, to enter the kingdom of God, you got to become like a child. Well, a child doesn't have all these hang-ups and barriers. Yeah. They just love people. Like they Absolutely. don't have all of the learned avoidance <laughs> triggers or media input or labeling or identity politics on both sides. They just see people who are hurt yeah. and they go to that. That's why your 10 year old, your girlfriend's 10 year old brother is just like, Hey, when are we going to do that again? Yeah. Cause it was the right thing to do. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I appreciate the, the kind of words. It, it's, it's incredible that we, and I've always thought about this as I would go through my day. I'm like, what could be the most impactful moments? Like how can you make this an impactful hour? Because a lot of the time we just throw away or we just waste it. And, and it's like, maybe it's working out your body. Maybe it's going to, you can even shoot out some texts to some friends and just say, Hey man, I really appreciate you. Like two seconds. It's so rare, you know? And I love, I love that that's your spirit because, you know, encouragement um, is like oxygen to the soul. And we walk around starved for it. Yeah. I mean, think about it, how good you feel when, son, when someone just goes, you know what? You're really good at that. I just was watching you and man, you're really good at that. And yeah. how rare that is. Just assume, I always tell people, use this working assumption that everyone you meet is under encouraged. 100%. I, I love that because the amount of times that people do do stuff and it, even if you could just help somebody out, feel good. Like that just makes their day. And it yeah, could be shock a- them. <laughs> yeah, shock them. You know, I, that's the whole concept behind the dangerous good movement of men is that we go out and we shock a city. In wow. one day. We just, it's, you know, in the new Testament, Jesus says, if someone forces you to go one mile, go two miles. Okay. You know, which, by the way, second mile service is Chick-fil-A's training for their employees. It's called second mile service. Really? Yeah. So, um, it, but think about that. You know, when you shock someone with kindness, when you shock, it's like, wait, what's going on? And then they ask the next question. It's like, why? What? What? You know, what's behind that? And then you get to share a little bit about who you are. Yeah, I believe. And they know that you do believe it because your behavior supports your belief. Yeah. I believe in treating my neighbor as myself. Yeah. Wow. Just think if if everybody listening and shoot the whole country just decided, you know what? I believe I should treat my neighbor as myself. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I'm literally getting chills because the massive change that would occur on that very simple statement right. would be huge. Right. Huge. Treat others the way you want to be treated. That's it. Black, white, brown, yellow, Pacific Islander. Yeah. <laughs> you know. It really is. To live by. Absolutely. And uh, I love how you're able to just simplify it. Because, I mean, it really is that simple. It's 
Yeah, it is. And we always want to overcomplex things. Oh no, it takes a lot of time. It's this, it's that. And no, it's simple. Yeah. It's easy. Well, we live in an age of activism, um, and some things you, you you do need to be active about. I don't I don't begrudge activists, but um, reactions are not solutions. They're reactions. Yeah. You know, I was at a justice conference and I was listening to an expert in human trafficking and I was listening to an expert in the orphan epidemic. And then um, I was third in the speaker flow and um, and I had prepared notes, but I just set them aside because at the time there was um, an oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico and they were skimming the water. They imported all these skimmers from all over the world and the skimmers were collecting oil off the surface of the disaster, putting it in barrels and lining them up on the shore. And, and so there was some impact. And I remember sharing the story. I'm like, right now there's an oil spill, there's skimmers, they're filling up barrels. You can see the net effect on the shore. Here's the problem. It's not the solution. The solution is getting to the root of the problem, which is that busted oil main 900 feet below the surface. They have to get down there and get to the root of the problem, they're just reacting to the problem. So reactions are not solutions. Solutions are when you get to the root of the problem. And then in the context of human trafficking and the orphan epidemic and fatherlessness, I said, we can raise awareness. We can rescue the victims. We can reintegrate them. We can rehabilitate them. And all of those things need to be done. But we cannot say that any of those are solutions. The solution is a changed heart. And when you take away the demand for when you change someone's identity and through that new identity, they start making some new choices that cause them not to do the things that we're talking about today. That's a solution. Yeah. I mean, the, I, and I know I'm having a realization right now where I'm like, oh, let's just fix it. Let's just fix it. Like, we'll throw a bandaid on it. But it's these right. real deeper solutions of like that might fix the problem for now but like there's still a much bigger issue that has a and i I, kenny i love how you go very macro um realizing that there's because you'll realize that a lot of people i was having this conversation yesterday where uh, a good amount of people a majority of people i would say most people focus on i like you know what i mean like a lot of people focus on what can happen to me what can i do and we were talking about a big problem and the guy was like that's that's not in my field that's too big for me like that doesn't i i'm not going to change that and right the fact is that we can all realize that we can all make that change we can all change it and i I think you're really you're on to something really awesome wow thank you yeah, you're on something really awesome. So, Kenny, I know our time's running low. Where can people find you? Where can they yeah. learn about Dangerous Good? Where can they learn about the ministries? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you can get any of my books on Amazon. Um, you can search Dangerous Good. Just go to where you go to get books and stuff. But it's all in one place. Everymanministries.com is where you'll find resources, strategies, streaming content, series on different topics, um, daily emails and inspirational devotions. Um, it's all there. And it, and, it's, and it works just like any other app or streaming platform like Netflix. I'm on Apple TV, Netflix. I mean, not Netflix, but Roku, Amazon. Yeah. Just put in Everyman Ministries and you'll see our little platform come up. Awesome. I will share that in the show notes. And 
This has yeah. been amazing. All right. right. Yeah. Good to meet you. And thanks for what you're doing. Absolutely. Thank you for reaching the end of the podcast. For that, we'll give you a complimentary coaching session in the link below with Edwards Consulting. Hope to see you there and have a great day and keep clocking in.